brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that sends 5% of your monthly plan price to your favorite charity. No contracts, nationwide coverage, risk-free guarantee. Learn more at CharityMobile.com. Blessed second Saturday in Lent. We are here looking now at the famous sermon or homily of Pope St. Gregory the Great. This is his homily number 16 on from the Gospels. And here we are going to hear of the temptation of our blessed Lord in the desert. Appropriate sermon, I think, for the Lenten season. Hope this gives you fuel for the journey. The temptation of Jesus in the desert. At that time, Jesus was led to the desert by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter approaching said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, The man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil carried him into the holy city, having placed him on the pinnacle of the temple. He said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourselves down, for it is written. He has given you orders to his angels, and on their hands they will carry you, so that your foot does not strike the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written also, You shall not tempt him, the Lord your God. The devil again carried him to a very high mountain, and showing him all the kings of the world with their glory, he said to him, All this I will give it to you, if, falling at my feet, you worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Depart, Satan, for it is written, The Lord your God you will worship, and he alone you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and served him. There are some who ask themselves by what spirit Jesus was led to the desert because of what follows in the text. The devil carried him into the holy city, and again he carried him to a high, very high mountain. But in truth and without hesitation, one must logically accept that Jesus was led to the desert by the Holy Spirit, so that his own spirit would lead him to where the evil spirit was to find him. However, when we are told that the God-man was transported by the devil on a very high mountain, or in the holy city, the human spirit has difficulty in accepting it, and the ears are frightened of the hearer. This, however, will seem less impossible to believe if we consider other events concerning the Savior. The devil is undoubtedly the leader of all the wicked, and all the wicked are the members of this leader. Was not Pilate a member of the devil? Our so-called elder brothers who persecuted Christ and the soldiers who crucified him, were they not members of the devil? Why then be surprised that the Savior allowed the devil to lead him to a mountain, since he also endured being crucified by members of such a leader? It was not unworthy of our Redeemer to want to be tempted, he who had to come to be killed. On the contrary, it was right for him to triumph over, over our temptations with his own, just as he had come to overcome our death by his death. Let us know, however, that temptation acts in three ways, by suggestion, by delectation, and by consent. When we are tempted ourselves, we usually glide into delectation or even consent. For spread from the flesh of sin, we bear in us the very origin of the struggles to endure. But the God who incarnated in the womb of a virgin and who had come to the world without sin bore no contradiction in him. He may have been tempted by suggestion, but the delectation of sin did not have a hold on his mind. All this diabolical temptation was for him external, without anything inside. As we examine the course of the temptation of the Lord, we will be able to plumb to what extent we are delivered from temptation. The ancient enemy rose up against the first man, our ancestor, by three temptations. He tempted him by gluttony, vainglory, and avarice, victorious temptations, 
since he submitted to Adam in obtaining his consent. It was by gluttony that he tempted him by showing him the forbidden fruit of the tree and persuading him to eat it. It was by vainglory that he tempted him by saying, You will be like gods. And it was by an excess of avarice that he tempted it by adding, You will know good and evil. Indeed, greed is not only about money, but also about honors. One speaks rightly of avarice about the disorderly pursuit of honors. For if delighting honors did not depend on greed, Paul would never have said of the only begotten Son of God. He did not consider that to be equal of God would be to delight something. It is therefore by exciting in our ancestor the eager desire for honor that the devil has drawn him to pride. But it was by the very means that he had been used to defeat the first man that the devil succumbed before the second, Jesus, when he attempted him. He tempts him with greed by asking him, command that these stones become breads. He tempts him by vainglory by saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. He tempts him with the eager desire for honors. When he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, declaring, all this I will give you. If you fit hauling at my feet, you worship me. But the devil is vanquished by the second man, thanks to the same means that he boasted of having used to defeat the first man. And this one, having thus taken the devil prisoner, expelled it from our hearts by the very access which had allowed him to enter it and to keep it in his power. There is something else, very dear brothers, that we must consider in the temptation of the Lord. It is that tempted by the devil, he responds to him with sentences of Holy Scripture. He could precipitate his tempter into the abyss by using the word which constituted his being, but he did not manifest his personal power, limiting himself to answering by precepts of divine scripture. He did it to give us the example of his patience, and thus invite us to resort to teaching rather than revenge whenever we have to suffer from perverse men. See what is the patience of God, and what is our impatience. We are carried away with fury if injustice or offense reaches us, and we avenge ourselves as much as we can, or at least threaten to do so if we cannot. The Lord endured the hostility of the devil, and he answered him only with words of gentleness, tolerated him whom he could punish, in order to merit all the more glory, because he triumphed over his enemy by supporting him for a time instead of annihilating him. It is all necessary to notice the following. When the devil left him, the angel served him. This fact shows the existence of two natures in his unique person. He is a man, since he is tempted by the devil, and he is God, since he is served by the angels. Let us then recognize in him our nature, for if the devil did not discern in him a man, he would not tempt him. Let us venerate his divinity in him, for if he were not like God above all, the angels would never serve him. Since there is harmony between the reading of the day and the liturgical time, we have indeed heard that our Redeemer practiced abstinence for 40 days. At the same time, we begin the holy fast. We must examine carefully why this abstinence is observed for 40 days. Moses, to receive the law a second time, fasted 40 days. Elijah, in his desert, abstained from eating 40 days. The creator of men himself, coming among men, did not take food for 40 days. Let us also try as far as we can to afflict our flesh by abstinence in this annual time of the Holy Fast. Why is the number 40 set for abstinence, if not because the Decalogue finds its perfection in the four books of the Holy Gospel? Likewise, in fact, that 10 multiplied by 4 gives 40. We observe the commandments of the Decalogue to perfection by the practice of the four books of the Holy Gospel. We can also give another interpretation to this number. Our mortal body subsists by four elements, and it is by the pleasures of this body that we oppose the precepts of the Lord. But these are prescribed to us by the Decalogue. Therefore, since the desires of the flesh make us despise the commandments of the Decalogue, we should mortify this flesh forty times. Here is yet another possible explanation of this holy fast. 
From today until the joys of the solemnity of Easter, it will pass six weeks, which is 42 days. Since six Sundays are withdrawn from abstinence, there are only 36 days of abstinence left. To mortify 36 days in a year, which counts 365, it is little to give God the tithing. Having lived for ourselves during the year he granted, we mortified ourselves in abstinence for our Creator during the tenth of this year. So, dear brothers, since the law commands you to offer to God the tithe of all things, try to offer him also the tithe of your days. May each one macerate himself in his flesh to the measure of his strength. Mortify his desires and annihilate his shameful concupiscences in order to become, in the words of Paul, a living host. Man is at a host at once living and immolated when, without leaving this life, he causes the carnal desires to die in him. Satisfied flesh has dragged us into sin. The mortified flesh brings us back to forgiveness. The author of our ruin, Adam, transgressed the precepts of life by eating the forbidden fruit of the tree. It is therefore necessary that having lost the joys of paradise by the fact of food, we should endeavor to reconquer them as far as we can by abstinence. But let no one imagine that this abstinence is enough for us. When the Lord says through the mouth of the prophet, it's not the fast that I prefer more of this. And he adds, share your bread with the hungry. Receive the poor and vagrant among you. If you see someone naked, dress him up and do not despise him who is your own flesh. This is the fast that God approves, a fast which raises in his eyes hands filled with alms, a fast realized in the love of neighbor and imbued with goodness. Prodigal to others what you draw to yourself. Thus the mortification of your flesh will come to relieve the flesh of your neighbor who is in need. It is in this sense that the Lord said throughout the voice of the prophet, When you fasted and you lamented, you did fast for so much. And when you eat and drink, are you not eating for yourself and drinking for yourself? He eats and drinks for himself who consumes, without sharing with the needy the food of the body, which are gifts of the Creator belonging to all. And it is for oneself that one fasting, if one does not give the poor what one has deprived for a time, but that one keeps it to offer a little later to his belly. On this subject, Joel says, sanctify the fast. To sanctify fasting is to render one's body abstinence worthy of God by associating it with other good works. That anger stops, that quarrel aside, for it is useless to torment his flesh if we do not put an end to the evil pleasures of the soul, since the Lord affirms by the voice of the prophet, Behold, in the day of fasting you do only your will. Now you are fasting for trials and struggles. You smite with fists and claim with their debts from all your debtors. He who claims to his debtor what he has given him does nothing unjust. But to him who mortifies himself by penitence, it is better to refrain from claiming even that which belongs to him by right. As for us, mortified and penitent, God will give us what we have done unjustly, only if we abandon out of love for him even that which belongs to us by right. That was the sermon of St. Gregory the Great for the first Sunday in Lent, which was last Sunday. But I think it's a good reminder of what Lent is about to hear it this one full weekend for the second Saturday of Lent. Again, it's the temptation of our blessed Lord in the desert for 40 days and his confrontation with Satan. A story you're well familiar with, but there are dynamics to it that we don't hear much about these days. And so I thought it'd be a good idea to bring it to you. So let me know. If you thought of this in the comments, please like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.